good morning, everyone. Glad that you are here. No accident that you are here. You were here on purpose. And even though there's a lot of people that are away on break and we're the faithful few that are here this day, we're glad that you have uh, chosen to come and worship with us today. Um, the last time I spoke was about a year ago. And at the very, very beginning of the message, I confessed that I was a NASCAR fan. And then I wasn't asked to preach for a whole nother year after that. So I've repented of that. Didn't watch any NASCAR this year. Uh, but uh, I have another confession, and the 4.6 kids will um, appreciate this maybe for a moment. But I give your kids uh, lots of candy on Sunday mornings. If you ever notice that they're a little hyped up when they get picked up from church, it's because of chocolate. Uh, I find that they listen better when you promise them some chocolate. But guess what, kids? I have no bucket of candy up here with me this morning. So you're going to have to listen just because it's the right thing to do today, okay? All right, so uh, no, no candy uh, unless you, you know, come see me after service and tell me something I said. Maybe I'll go upstairs and get you some candy then, all right? But uh, we're, we are uh, excited to have you here today, and I always count it a blessing uh, to be able to, to share God's Word with you, and uh, this Sunday is, is no different than that. Um, as I go through my life, and I'm sure as you go through yours, there are times where you have said the words, I'm tired. Have any of you said, I'm tired this week? Quick show of hands. Yeah. I'm tired. And I'm not just talking about, I'm sleepy, it's time to go to bed. I'm talking about, you're worn out. You've worked hard. You've done something strenuous. You've, you've engaged your mind to the point of exhaustion. I've had lots of times like this in my life. And uh, there's sometimes it's, it's periods of, of uh, where it just doesn't seem to stop. And I'm just tired all the time. And I imagine that most of you can relate to that. As I've watched the news over the last few uh, months, in, uh, in amongst all of the, you know, the world's coming to an end political uh, speeches, we've had a, a lot of information on the news about uh, vacation time and how Americans don't take as much vacation as people in other parts of the world and how in other parts of the world and other countries that there's more required time off and how Americans, uh, even when they're given the chance to take time off, often don't do so. And it's interesting to see the amount of, of work that, that we do and, and we don't take time away from that. And so as, as I have studied the Old Testament, and I, I love studying the Old Testament, I like reading the stories and I like understanding the context of why the New Testament is what it is. And I've studied Judaism and I've studied the, the Jewish people and, and the, the traditions that they have because there's so much richness that can be taken and gleaned from understanding all of that that I've looked at the, the law, the law that Moses was handed down and the law that the, the Levites and the priest gave to the people. And one of the laws is interesting in the fact that we have the Ten Commandments, but there's, there's one of those that we tend to just read over real quickly. We skip past it like that it's not even there. And when I was a kid, we, you know, we would learn the Ten Commandments. And, and there's some of those that are about how we're supposed to relate to each other. There's some of those like, you know, don't steal, don't lie, don't murder. That's to, to help people to be able to relate to each other. And then there was others of the commandments that were how we were supposed to treat God. And we were supposed to worship him only. And we're supposed to not take his name in vain. And so there's all of these things that help us to be able to understand. And what's interesting about looking at the law in the context of the Old Testament is understanding that there was a real reason why God had to, to have those laws. And, you know, as a kid, I was like, man, God is strict. <laughs> He's got lots of rules. And 
it was almost like, you know, a, a parent. And kids that, that are here in the audience today, I imagine that if we ask you and your parents weren't around, you would say, my parents are so strict. They have lots of rules. But it wasn't until I had a child of my own that it really began to make sense to me why it was that God had these strict rules. And it was because of protection that he was trying not to be mean to his children, not to be uh, restrictive to his children, but to protect them. And if you look at the laws and you read all of the, uh, the book of Deuteronomy and the book of Leviticus and you, you see all of the things that are there and you think back to the fact that they didn't have advanced science. They didn't have advanced understanding and learning about disease and, and uh, food preparations. And they didn't know that you had to cook meat to a certain temperature in order to keep it from killing you. But God was able to say, don't do this. And it was a law and it was a protection. And knowing that his, his people, his human race would eventually get to the point where, oh, that's why you didn't want us to do that. And children, trust me, there will come a day where you will get old enough and you will finally say, that's why my parents wanted me to not do that or to abide by this or that or the other. And so as we look at the Old Testament and as we look at the laws, it's important for us to understand the context and the reason why those laws were there. And so it's, it's been a mystery to me for a lot of my life as to why when we get to the fourth commandment about remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, that we just breeze right past that one and move on to the next one and pretend that there's nothing there for us today. The Sabbath has become something that we really don't talk a whole lot about in Christianity. And so today, I want us to talk about it and talk about it in a way that helps us to understand what it is. Why is it there? And what does it mean for me today? Because if we don't learn from God's word, if we don't learn from the things that are there to teach us, and we don't allow the Holy Spirit to reveal things to us, then we aren't able to grow. And today I'm not uh, wanting to, to heap guilt on someone or, or try to change the day that we worship uh, in, in church services or any of those things, but I want you to understand what the Sabbath is. The history of the Sabbath is, is kind of interesting because we read all throughout the Bible where uh, the Jews were asked to keep the Sabbath holy. And there's a verse that I would like for us to read. It is in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12, and it says, Be careful to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy as Yahweh your God has commanded you. So we're given this command to keep the Sabbath holy. And as we read through the whole Testament, we realize that God wanted us to keep the Sabbath holy. So your first fill in the blank on the review today is the Sabbath is holy. And there's a lot of debate about why is it that Christians worship on Sunday mornings. And some people say, well, it was because that Jesus rose on, on the first day of the week. And others say, well, no, it's because of the, script, the verse in Acts where it says, uh, Paul says, we were uh, breaking bread together on the first day of the week. And there's other historians who say, no, it had nothing to do with anything that's in the Bible. It was uh, Constantine, the, the Roman emperor in uh, the fourth century who instituted national religion. And in order to appease many of the pagan converts, he allowed them to worship on Sunday because they were used to worshiping their God, the sun on, on Sundays. I don't know. Who knows exactly what it was that caused the Christians to start to, to worship on Sundays? 
Uh, others think that it was uh, the Catholics' fault. You know, they were blaming it on the Catholics. And then the others say, well, no, it was because they were trying to do something anti-Jewish because the, the Jews killed Jesus. And, you know, so there's all of these differing opinions about why we worship on Sunday. And it's not so important about the, the day as far as what we're talking about today, but it is the idea of having a day that is holy. And it, it, you may not understand what the word holy means. And so if you think about all of the things in the Bible that are called holy, uh, Jerusalem was called the holy city. The Jews were called uh, God's holy people. God said, I am holy, so you should be holy as well. And what, is the, what in the world does holy mean? And holy means consecrated, set apart, sacred, devoted to God. That's, that's what it means. It's pretty simple. Something that is devoted to God. So this service today, because of the fact that you came in here with the intention of worshiping God, this service is holy. At least I hope you came here with the intention of worshiping God. If you showed up for a, a football game, you're in the wrong place. But the, the idea is that we are separating something for God. We are devoting it to him and therefore it becomes holy. So does it matter, really, in the whole scheme of things, whether that's a Saturday or a Sunday or a Monday, as long as that there is time for us to devote and make the Sabbath holy? And so as our first idea is the Sabbath is holy, the second comes to us in chapter 2 of Genesis. Verses two through three says, by the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. And then in verse three, God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy for on it, he rested. He rested from his work of creation. So right here in the book of Genesis, we get an early idea of what God had intended the Sabbath day to be for. God created the entire universe in six days. The entire world was created and all of the animals and all of the birds and all of the plants and vegetation and all of those things that we read about in Genesis. And on the seventh day, it says that God rested. So the Sabbath is not only holy, the Sabbath is rest. In the 18th, excuse me, in the 18th century, a, a worldwide phenomenon began to take place and it was in the realm of agriculture and manufacturing. Because up until that point, farmers had done most of the work on a farm through manual labor. And there were uh, donkeys and mules and horses and oxen and those kinds of animals that would help them in order to be able to plow the fields. But as populations were growing in European countries and farmers were only able to uh, tend to as much land as they could with their uh, animals in the manual way that they were doing it, the cost of food was beginning to rise. And so a lot of work was done in the 18th century to try to help alleviate this. And so farmers all of a sudden began to have machinery that helped. Machinery that helped out onto the farm and being able to, to help them be able to do uh, their work in about a, a tenth of the amount of time. And in the manufacturing industry, instead of cotton being having to, uh, having to be uh, pulled apart by hand and, and woven by hand into fabric, all of a sudden there were machines that were invented that helped to be able to, to do this much faster and much more efficiently. And so mankind was on the, the brink of being able to look and be able to do so much more in such little amount of time that that mankind had a moment in time where they were able to say, you know what, 
I'm not going to fill the rest of my day with busyness. I am going to take advantage of this machinery in order to be able to rest more, to be able to fill my day with more time with God, more time with my family. But mankind didn't do that. Mankind looked at that opportunity of being able to get their work done in a tenth of the amount of time, and instead of taking advantage of that, the window closed, and they said, you know what? I think I would rather make ten times more than I'm making now. I think I would rather spend ten times more time out in the field and reap ten times the amount of benefit from it. And so instead of taking advantage of this great gift that was given to them of understanding the Industrial Revolution and how it would affect their life, Mankind squandered that opportunity and continued to produce more and more and more. And that has been the truth throughout the course of history, that mankind is not ever satisfied with just being able to do what they can do in the amount of time that they have to do it. In Exodus 31, 15, we get a very clear understanding of what God's intention for us is. It says, work may be done for six days, But on the seventh day, there must be a Sabbath of complete rest dedicated to the Lord. Anyone who does work on the Sabbath day must be put to death. That's pretty severe. God's basically saying, you're going to rest or I'm going to kill you. (laughs) And we as Americans, we've said, no, we'll take care of that for you. We'll just work ourselves to death. And so God was trying to get his people to understand that the Sabbath is about rest. It's about taking a break from work. I don't know how many times in my life I've just thought, you know what, I, I really just need rest, but you know, I don't want someone to look at me and, and, and think less of me that I'm, I'm taking a break from my work. Well, guess what? God gives us a get out of work free card. It's like Monopoly. You know, we, we get that get out of jail free card. We don't have to work on one day of the week because God said so. So you can turn to your spouse and say, honey, I can't paint the fence today. God told me I'm supposed to take a day of rest. And you've got to pass because God said to rest. Once upon a time, we were living in uh, Salem, Ohio, my wife and I and our our son Braden and family came to visit and and they they stayed for seven days. It seemed like a lot longer than that at the time. Um, But they were there uh, on about the fifth day and uh, my mom and and some other younger children that she, she still had, I was one of the older ones, but they were with her and she kept on telling them to, you know, straighten up this and to, to clean that and to, to vacuum this. And at first I thought, oh, well, that's nice. And then after a while, I was like, man, I just wish they would just sit down. It's getting kind of annoying. She thinks my house is this dirty. And then finally I was like, mom, stop, put down the vacuum. Let's just relax. Let's spend some time with each other. That's why you're here. I don't need you to clean my house. I wanted you to come here and be here so that we could spend time with you. And that's something that we don't see happening a whole lot in our lives today is just taking a break and spending some time together. Uh, Mary and Martha in the story of, of Jesus and, and Matthew, they are uh, bringing Jesus into their home in order to spend time with him. And Martha is up doing work. She's preparing meals. She's cleaning up perhaps. She's doing things to, to serve God. And Mary is where? She's at the feet of Jesus. She's sitting there listening to her Savior, her Messiah, her Rabbi, to just be close to him and and get to know him. And Martha finally turns to Mary and says, would you get up and come in here and help me? And Jesus turns to Martha, and I'm sure he did it in a loving way, but he chastises her and says, 
Mary has chosen the better part. I am only going to be here for a short time, and she has chosen to spend time with me. There's going to be time where we have to work. Those six days, God expects us to work hard on those six days, but there's a time where we are to come together. As we study out the the Jewish tradition of, of what the Sabbath was about, the family came together. They were supposed to have all of their chores done, all of their cooking done, and the only thing that they were supposed to do during that 24 hours from sundown on Friday until sundown on Saturday was to spend time together, to share God's word with each other, to talk about life together. That's what rest needs to be in our lives, is a time of refreshing There was an author in uh, the early 90s, uh, late 80s, named Stephen Covey, who had a book that was published in 1989 that really changed the the outlook of of things here in our country. And it was called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I don't know how many of you may have heard of that book or read that book, but the 80s were a time of just getting what you could get. Everybody was out to try to to earn as much as they could and collect as much as they could and to, to hoard as much as they could. The 80s were just known for that. And so at the end of the 80s, Stephen Covey releases this book and it, it really shifted people's paradigm of how to look at life. And he said, you know what? If you really want to be effective in life, it's not about going as hard as you can. It's about doing these other things and being more balanced in your life. And the seventh habit that he talked about in that book was, was one that really had an impact on me. And it was called sharpen your saw. What in the world does that have to do with anything? And he told a story about two people who were both out in the woods and they were both cutting trees down. And the first day, the one guy was just going to town and and he cut down trees all morning long and the other guy was a little bit slower and he stopped at lunch and he sharpened his saw. And the other guy was just cutting down trees, cutting down trees and kind of making fun of him about the fact that he wasn't working as fast as, as he was. And so the second day, the, the guy was going just as fast as he could, but he wasn't able to cut quite as many trees down that second day as he was the first. But the, the second man, he was able to continue at the same pace. And at lunchtime, once again, he stopped and he sharpened his saw. Well, day after day of this went by, and every day the first man was able to cut down fewer and fewer and fewer trees. And the other man was able to keep up the same pace that he had throughout the entire week. And by the seventh day... The one man, he couldn't even make it through one tree. He sawed all day long, just as hard as he could, and he couldn't make it through the one tree. But the other man who had taken time each day to sharpen his saw was able to cut through just as many trees on day seven as he had one, two, three, four, five, and six. And the analogy is really pretty straightforward. I I don't have to, to lead you too much further in this to understand that you have to take time of refreshing in order to be able to be as effective in your life. And this was what God was trying to get through to us when he instituted the Sabbath. Stephen Covey says, increase your capacity to produce and handle the challenges around you. Without this renewal, the body becomes weak, the mind mechanical, the emotions raw, the spirit insensitive, and the person selfish. Feeling good doesn't just happen. It's about choices. It's about a choice to rest. It's about a choice to be set apart, to be holy, to take a time of your week in order to truly rest in God, to observe the Sabbath in a meaningful kind of way. In my study of of the Jewish faith, I've come across a book that 
I kind of look at as the definitive work on the Sabbath, and it's called The Sabbath, cleverly named. It's by an author named uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel. You've got to say it that way. You've got to spit when you say, say Jewish names, Heschel. And so that's his name, but he's written this book called The Sabbath. And one of the chapters in that book has, it really stood out to me as, as uh, informative and enlightening, and it was talking about restoration. The Jewish people are about tradition. Everything that they do is, is for a purpose and a reason. And there is a, a, a lot that we can glean from reading about Jewish history. I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret. Jesus was not a Christian. He was a Jew. Um, Christianity came as a result of him, but Jesus' teachings were from a Jewish perspective. And so if we ignore everything that the Jewish people did and, and knew and so forth, we miss out on understanding why Jesus said some of the things that he did. So if we really want to understand Jesus, if we really want to be one of his followers, if we really want to be a disciple of his, it's important to know the context that he taught from. And so as we look at this Jewish tradition and history, Abraham Heschel says that uh, the Sabbath is about restoration. I told you that the, the Sabbath was about the family coming together in the, in the household. So it wasn't, um, you know, I'm in my household and my parents are in their household and my brother and sister over in theirs. They came together in one location and they would spend from Friday night at sundown to Saturday night at sundown all together in the same household. And I don't know what your family get-togethers are like, but when you're together for 24 hours in the same household, um, it's, it's hard for things to stay peaceful, right? It's just, it's, it's difficult because you have different things going on in life. You have different opinions about things. And so what the Jewish tradition was is that when you walked in the door, when you crossed into the threshold of the door on the Sabbath, that you left all bitterness, all malice, and all anger aside. You left it all behind you, and nothing of like that was allowed into the household during the, the time of the Sabbath. And I'm, I've, I'm convinced that it was not a pretend putting away. I, I experienced that pretend putting away when I was a kid. Inevitably, I would do something wrong, and I would be getting yelled at, and the phone would ring. And so it would be something like this, my mom going, ah, chip, 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 ah, blah, 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 blah. ring, hello. She, I mean, it was like a switch had gone off. She could switch from yelling at me to the sweetest syrupy hello that you have ever heard in your life. And it was a pretend putting away of those emotions that were going on. But in the Jewish tradition, it was not pretend. It was truly about, I am not going to allow myself to take any bitterness or malice or anger into this house tonight. I am reconciling, I'm restoring, I'm making right all of those relationships on this night. Can you imagine what it would be like if every week you wiped the slate clean? You wiped it completely clean of all of the stuff going on in your life. That for one time, for 24 hours during the week, that you focused entirely on the love and kindness and mercy. What's fascinating to me is that the Jewish people were coming to this revelation of letting things go without the revelation of Jesus. They were doing it strictly off of, of law and obligation. How much more so should we as Christians be when we know that we have Jesus' love in our heart? We know we have his mercy. We know we have his grace. Wouldn't it be great if the tradition of the Christian church, that as people looked at the, the church and being, being able to say that, you know what, Christians, when they go into the building of the church, when they cross the threshold, they leave gossip out in the parking lot. They leave hate out in the, the ditch somewhere. 
They replace bitterness with kindness and mercy. Restoration is what what we should concentrate on on the Sabbath. So the Sabbath is holy. The Sabbath is rest. The Sabbath is restoration. But there's one more thing that the Sabbath is. If we read in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, Jesus is talking here and he says, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. It's important to realize that the Sabbath was not created to force us into some uncomfortable kind of way of being. That wasn't God's purpose in creating the Sabbath. He created the Sabbath for us for us to be able to have that time of restoration, for us to be able to have that holy, sanctified, set-apart time, for us to be able to have that time of rest, the Sabbath is for us. It's important for us as Christians not to to think of the Sabbath as being something that's long forgotten, that, that it's part of our history, but we don't really worry about the Sabbath anymore. The Sabbath is something that we should embrace, that we should love, that we should cherish because of the fact that it is helpful for us. I don't know what your Sabbath looks like. For me, I've been trying very hard and it's been easier uh, now that we don't have as many kids at home to be able to actually have a, a Saturday Sabbath. For us yesterday, it was sitting and watching football and, and that was a restful time. I won't say stressless time, but it was, it was a restful time uh, throughout the day. And it was something where I was able to, um, to not worry about what am I going to do? And what am I going to, uh, what projects have I got? It just, I, I give myself that permission to be able to say, you know what, today I'm just going to rest. And we as Americans have very seldom given ourselves that permission. We think we've just got to keep going and going and going and going. But the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You as a Christian are guided by the Holy Spirit. And this week, I want you to think about what the Sabbath looks like to you. For those that work in volunteer or full-time ministry, Sunday is, is many times not a very restful day. Uh, it's, it's getting here early, it's uh, serving, and it's doing some, some wonderful things, but it's not a very restful day. So a lot of, of pastors and preachers, Monday is their Sabbath. They, they work all day on Sunday, and then Monday is, you know what, I'm checking out today. Today is my day where I'm not going to, Uh, get up and go to the office, or maybe it's a Friday or Saturday, whatever the day, what day is your Sabbath? What does your Sabbath look like? We're going to uh, take communion here in just a moment, and the ushers can go ahead and be preparing to to pass out the communion. The Sabbath being about restoration is, is especially important for us as we prepare to take communion. Communion is a time where we think about the body and the blood of Jesus. And that one, that's pretty obvious because we talk about that whenever we're taking the bread and we're taking the the cup. We talk about the, the body and the blood of Jesus and what it means. But the time of communion is also about a time of making things right. It's, a, it's about a time of reconciliation. In Matthew, uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples in chapter 5, verses 23 through 24. And he says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them and then come and give your gift. So he was saying, if you're about to to give to to me, don't do it with malice in your heart. Or don't even do it if you think someone else has something against you. 
go and, and be reconciled. You don't have the opportunity to jump up and go run out of here and, and go reconcile something, but as we take communion here in the next few minutes, you're going to have some time as we sing a, a song of worship together, you're going to have some time to think about your relationships, to think about your relationship with God, think about your relationship with family. And perhaps there's an opportunity for you to think about something you need to make right. Maybe there's something that you need to go do this week to make a relationship better, to bring restoration. Let that begin to be a tradition in your life, that you're about love and mercy and reconciliation and rest.